This is the second week of Advent, and I'll be speaking on joy. And, um, you know, at Advent, one of the things that happens is when we talk about joy, we talk about love, we talk about peace. What's the fourth one? Hope. Thank you. Alan, I knew that. I was just kind of waiting. I was waiting to see if they knew hope. We talk about these things, and, 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 we, and, and then inevitably, the preacher or the pastor or the teacher goes and talks about, yep, and you're looking for it in Christmas presents, aren't you? You're looking for these things in shopping, aren't you? You're looking for these things in the family apple pie or pecan pie or whatever you eat on Christmas morning or whatever your traditions are. And those are good things. Those are good things. But what I want to talk about is that um, is I want to talk about how, how, how you get joy. I, I don't want to talk about what's maybe causing us or distracting us from joy. I want to talk about how do we get joy? Like how, how do we go after? And really all of the things, all of these topics on Advent, we, um, we get the same way. We receive the same way. And, and I think that I know the enemy wants to rob us of these things. The enemy wants to rob us of these things. And one of the lies he tells us is that we're robbed by the season, the worldly season of Christmas. We're robbed by the busyness. We're robbed by the presence. We're robbed by this and that and the other. And and it's just not true. It's not true. Those are not the things. Those are not at the core of how he gets at distracting us from Jesus, distracting us from joy, from hope, from receiving the peace of Christ, from receiving the love of what God is doing in the birth of Jesus. And so what I want to talk about, again, is how are we filled up, not just marginally like, oh, I'm joyful, but I'm mostly happy because I'm getting that scooter, or I'm getting that kick and go, or I'm getting that new Lego thing, or I'm getting that new whatever, car, surfboard, 6'2", 21 inches wide, Two and a half inches thick, fish, swallowtail, okay? If anyone wants to give me a gift, Clay Bennett knows who I am and how much I weigh, okay? So I want to talk about how to be filled, not just like manage happiness through Christmas. How are we filled? And Jesus says in John 15, 11, these things, he's talking to the disciples, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's, now, this is the Word of God, inspired and written by God as a promise of Jesus for us. This isn't like, yeah, this might happen if you do X, Y, and Z. If your heart is filled with the Spirit, if you are following Jesus Christ, this is a promise. This is what God has done, is doing, and one day will be fully known by us. But His desire is that our joy would be full. Full, overflowing, and out of that joy, streams of living water would, you know, knock people over and do crazy things, you know, in our culture, that we would be filled with joy. You know, at the same time that this is the season that families have all these traditions, it's also one of the seasons that is the loneliest. There are more suicides from Thanksgiving to the new year than any other time of the year. And so I know that there are a lot of single folks out there. I know that there are a lot of people struggling out there. I know that people's lives are, are not as you hoped they would. I know that uh, some of you are experiencing massive trauma. 
you've lost someone, and maybe this is the first Christmas. This is going to be the first Christmas that you're going to celebrate without them. And this promise is for you also. That Jesus is greater than anything that's happened to us. Jesus is greater than anything that is happening to us. And when we don't feel joy or love or peace or hope, we trust that the inspired, true word of God is true. That the love of Christ, that Jesus Christ, the joy in Christ is going to overflow in us. And we count on that, we lean on that, and we trust on that when we don't feel it. And so as I share the word with you today, please, please know that God is moving in power. His presence is in the word. Transformation is in the word of God. It is alive and it cuts to the deepest part of our heart to bring us life. Now I'm gonna begin with one of the most famous scriptures at Christmas. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let, okay, no, no, no. I was, that was a solo. That was a solo. I want you to listen to these words, though. You know, we sing songs or we say things, and we don't realize, like, how powerful they are. I was reading this song. You know, you're speaking on joy. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let, okay, that's what we think, right? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature will sing, will sing, of the Lord's joy, the joy that has come to this earth. Joy to the world, our Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, or engage is what that word means. Let men their songs, let our song, let our new song engage this reality that our Savior reigns. He is over all. We have nothing to fear. While the fields and the floods and the rocks and the hills and the plains will also shout and resound in the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows go, grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far, at, far as the curse is found. I mean, that's the, I mean, that is powerful. What a powerful verse capturing a reality that when Jesus comes he reigns, and when that happens, there is no more sin. There is no more sorrow. There, there is nothing in our life that can hurt us. That we can't protect our hearts with thorns anymore. That his light has come and brought us freedom. Everywhere the curse is found, regardless of what you've done or what has been done to you, Jesus has come in a complete way, in a complete way, to give us hope, to give us joy, to give us love, that we would believe that this is true. And the last verse says, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove or demonstrate. The nations will prove his love. The nations, and he goes on and says, the, what will they prove? The glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. I mean, what a powerful song. You're never gonna sing that song like you ever again, are you? 
I mean, that is the truth of the gospel, the hope of the world. The joy at Christmas is that Jesus has come. Christmas is the story of Jesus coming to us. It is the story of a loving father, of a loving father coming to us because he loves us and wants us to experience joy in our life out of the joy we have in our relationship with him. And I explain, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna show you how this works. But I wanna be, I wanna be sure. Joy comes in our life as we experience and see the joy that he has for us. And when we see that, we believe that, we experience that, nothing in the world, nothing in the world can take that away from us, can take our joy. And so baby Jesus, baby Jesus, eight pounds, 10 ounce, baby Jesus, little golden diapers, eight pounds, 10 ounce, baby Jesus, it's like God hand, hand off running towards you with love, running towards you with joy. He's saying, this is what it takes. Look at me now. Look at my joy. Look at my love. He has made it possible. He is the one who has come so that you can see my joy for you. You can experience my joy for you. That is what baby Jesus is all about. God coming, God showing, so that we can experience. We are, we are really going to move into one of my favorite Christmas scriptures now. And, um, and uh, afterwards, I'll kind of set it up. So this is, um, this is Christmas scripture. Let's put it up there. I'm going to read it. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put on, put on ring, the ring on his hand and my ring, put a ring on his hand and shoes on my feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Father, we pray that you would come through the power of your spirit and open our hearts to receive this truth for your glory. Amen. Okay, so this obviously is not a, a Christmas scripture, right? It's not, but it tells the story of Christmas. So I'm going to show you how. This is to set the story up. What happened, if you don't know, is that this is called the story of the prodigal son, and this selfish um, hedonistic son goes to the father and says, I want my land now. I want my inheritance now. Basically saying, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead so that I could have it then, but because you're not dead, I want it now. And so the father gives it to him, which is cray cray, because any other father would have beat him down in the ancient Near East. Seriously. This would have brought shame to him. This was just a bad scene, very ugly scene. But the father gives it to him, and, uh, and he takes it, and he sells his land, and he goes out, and he um, goes crazy in every hedonistic way that you could imagine. And um, his friends 
latch on to him while he has money, and they're partying it up, and they're having a good time, and the money runs out. He loses his friends, and there's a famine in the land, and he is so hungry, so desperate, that he gets a job feeding pigs. And he gets so hungry that he longs to eat the food that he's feeding the pigs. And it says, but no one would give him any. Imagine the humiliation of that, right? It's like, I'm so hungry. Hey, give me a corn cob or two, dude. I know they've been eating, but just let me, I'm so hungry. And they're like, no, these are for the pigs, not you. I mean, that's like, that's pretty insulting. Talk about an identity crusher. That's it, right? And then it says, he came to his senses. He came to himself. And he's like, what the heck am I doing? What am I doing? My father's servants are taken care of. My father's servants are taken care of. They're fed at least. I'll go back. I'll work for him. I won't be his son. I'll just be like everyone else. He feeds them. He takes care of them. That's better than this. And so he, what does he do? He prepares a speech. He prepares a speech. What would cause him to prepare a speech for his father? Well, I, I, I think that he was worried. I think he was fearful of what his father might do. He had embarrassed him. He disgraced him. I think his father, I think he thought his father might be angry with him. He might even hurt him. He might beat him and have him cast out to show everyone, nobody shames me. Nobody takes advantage of me. Look at this, look at this guy. I told you so. I knew you would do this. And you aren't worthy of what the pigs eat. That, that's, that's, I think that's why he like, had his little speech. It's because when the father was coming at him, I think he, was, he, would, he would have been afraid. And he wanted to tell his father, look, look, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've sinned. You know, I, I, I don't want to be your son. I, I just want to be a servant. Please just let me be a servant. He kind of had it ready because he didn't want to get a beat down from his dad and, and his dad's helpers and his other brother. Because he had taken his property, diminished the value of his property, ashamed him in the community. And so he like made this, made this speech. But he was so desperate, he was so desperate that he still headed home, hoping that his father would take him back. And so, as the story goes, as he heads home, it says while he was still far away, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran towards him. Now, compassion is not something you do, okay? It's not like, compassion, I got compassion. Like, that's not, like, compassion, there's not a, a, a like, a dance compassion. You know, it's not like a hand signal for compassion, right? What he saw was the father running towards him. That's what he saw. He did not know the father had compassion, right? And so what is he thinking, like, oh, sweet, 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 sweet. Daddy's coming to love me. He's got great compassion. He's coming to greet me. Is that really, really what you think? He thought, I mean, if someone's running towards you, I dated a girl one time who lived in Alabama before Laura, before Laura, who was way prettier than this girl, way smarter, beautiful, intelligent, incredible in every way. This girl wasn't. So I dumped her. I dumped her. But there was a time... She lived in, and I'm sorry, not Georgia, Alabama. 
And I was driving my car through Alabama, going to see her, and I got stopped by the police, okay, the police. And the police pulled me over, and they're uh, like, they asked my license, my registration, and it came up that I had an unpaid parking ticket, or an unpaid speeding ticket in Minnesota when I was at a Young Life camp, right? And so <laughs> I was taxiing someone, I was the driver, and I was taxiing someone to the hospital, for real. I got a speeding ticket. I paid the speeding ticket, but it hadn't gone through yet in Minnesota. He didn't care. He did not care. You know what he did? You got that. Handcuffs, police car, jail. For real. Okay? And so I had to make a phone call. I wasn't going to call my parents that were like 16 hours away. So guess who I called? My girlfriend's parents who were two hours away. Imagine that phone call. Uh, yeah, do you know I'm in jail? And I'm wondering if you could come bail me out. It's Friday, and if you don't, I will be here for the whole weekend. And so her parents drive two hours, bail me out, you know, lots of hundreds of dollars, and, uh, and I kind of go to their house and have an awkward, very awkward weekend with that family. <laughs> And so the next time I come, the good news is I didn't get a speeding ticket. I was very careful. And I showed up to the house, and and, and I'm thinking kind of like, how am I going to be received this time? And so I get out of my car. I walk in. No kidding. Her dad comes running out of the front door towards me, anger anger in his face, which would be bad enough, but he's carrying a shotgun. He's carrying, for real, he's carrying a shotgun. When that was my response, like, oh, look at the compassion he has for me. Come, let me receive you, father-in-law potential. No, what am I doing? I'm like heading the other way, heading the other way. And, you know, he quickly kind of started laughing and joking, and they were all watching, and I was the big joke, and it set me up for another awkward weekend with her family. (laughs) But, but his response a little bit, maybe that was extreme, was justified based on my previous behavior, based on what I had done, right? And so I, I felt, you know, I was reading that. I was thinking about that story, and I think that's how the, fun, the son felt. You know, his, he, had, he, he had done previously, he had done horrible things to his family and his father. And when his father started running towards him, I think he was like, oh, oh, beep, 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 right. What in the world? He's coming after me. I bet he's angry. Does he have a weapon? Look at how fast dad is with his loincloth running. He's like, this is terrifying. Is it going to beat me down? I knew this was going to happen based on his previous behavior. Based on his previous behavior. And then what happens? What happens? He starts to see his father. And, and he, he starts to see, wait a minute, there's not, he's not, there's not anger on his face. There, there's not like, I'm going to beat you up on his face. He doesn't have a weapon. There's not disappointment or sadness on his face. There's not contempt or condemnation on his face. There's excitement. There's love. There's compassion. He start, the closer the father gets to him, the more he starts to see, truly see, how his father feels for him. 
The last thing he probably would have seen was joy. Great joy that this son of mine that was lost has come home. The closer we get to the Father, the closer we get to him as he runs to us, as he draws near to us, we draw near to him. Him. We see not sadness, not anger, not disappointment. We see joy. We see joy on his face. We see love on his face. We see hope on his face. We see peace on his face. That's who our father is. That's why he's running towards us. He's running towards us to embrace us so that we can experience this incredible joy that he has for us. But it only comes when we see the joy he has for us first. If we don't believe that the Father is joyful for us, we will never believe and be able to have joy in him. It's impossible. It is impossible. The Father didn't want to hear his speech. He didn't care. He did not care about what he had done. He did not care about what he had done. Because the father was, was willing to sacrifice all that so he could have his son back. Again, Jesus is a gift from the father. Is, is the father running towards us so that we can enjoy, experience his embrace and experience his joy in that embrace. But the enemy's desire like I said, is, is he doesn't want us to experience this joy because people who are experiencing joy in the midst of a world that is broken, where there's pain, where there's suffering, um, we do a number, we do a number on him because people don't get it. They don't get how we can have joy, love, peace, and all these attributes that God has for us in his embrace at the same time having circumstances that don't feel that way or don't look that way. And so in this story, what do, we, what do we see the enemy using trying to rob the son of the joy that his father had for him? We see fear, we see guilt, we see shame, and there's other things, but fear, guilt, and shame are all emotions I think the son felt that caused him to come up with that speech. Because if he, if he felt like the father would take him back and he loved him, he wouldn't have come up with a speech. But because he felt, no, I, I am so guilty, I'm so ashamed, I'm not even worthy of the pig food, and I'm fearful of what my father's going to do. So I need to do this so that he will love me. That's what the enemy uses. The enemy wants us to believe that the father doesn't love us. He wants us to believe he wants us to believe that we should fear him because of how we've messed up or how we've lived or the mistakes that we've made or the lack of faith that we have. He wants us to fear him. And he wants us to feel condemnation and guilt and shame and believe that there's a part of our heart that even Jesus can't reach. And so what do we do? We write a speech to God. I'll try harder. I'll do this. I'll do that. God, if I do these things, if I do this, I do that. Then, then, then maybe you'll love me. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe you, you won't be disappointed in me. Maybe you won't be sad with me. But the Father runs to us, and he doesn't want to hear our speech. He doesn't want to hear our actions, see our actions. He doesn't, he, he doesn't want any of those things. He wants us back. He wants us back. This story is about a believer who has wandered away, not someone who was lost, about a family member who belongs to the Father who wandered away. And more than anything, he wants him to know that I want you back. I want you to know that I want you back. Christmas is the celebration of our Father running toward us to rescue us from our guilt, our shame, our fear, and for us to know without a shadow of a doubt that I want you back. I want you to know the joy that I have by giving you my greatest joy. I've sacrificed my greatest joy in my relationship with my son. I've sacrificed my love. I've sacrificed my peace. I've sacrificed all of these things. Jesus sacrificed, came to us so that we could know the joy and the love of the Father. There is nothing else that we can do to add or to take away from that truth, from that reality. He wants us to be filled up, filled up with his joy, filled up with his joy. And Jesus has done all that is necessary for that to happen. In John 15, 11, again, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy would be in you and that your joy may be full in 17, 13, but now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that the world may, ha- the world may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And then Hebrews 12, 2. This is, one of, I, I, this is one of my favorite verses of all time. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Who is the joy? Who did Jesus look to that caused him to endure the cross? You. He saw you. He saw you and wanted you to know the joy of the Father, and so he endured the cross, scorning its shame, so that you could know the Father. His journey began in a cradle and it ended at a cross. Both of those truths are the, are the demonstration, the expression of how much our Father loves us. He separated himself from the Father. He condescended to earth to be with us, to show us what the Father's like, the love the Father has. And he lived a life with us, perfectly sinless. And while we are still sinners, he died for us so that we could be reconciled to the Father and experience the love of the Father, the joy of the Father. And it's in the Father's embrace, only in the Father's embrace. And Jesus makes this possible. Only in the Father's embrace can this, you know, as we experience him, can this joy come to us. And when we experience this joy, what happens we're in, when we're in bad times, when we're in trauma, when we've lost someone, when we're looking towards the Christmas season and we are terrified that, that it will be like the last one, we're terrified. Or we're afraid that we're going to miss it again because of everything that happens around us. December 26th, we're going to feel like, man, that wasn't what I thought it would be. 
What happens when we fall into the Father's arms? He reminds us. Every time we come to the Father, He reminds us of His love for us, His joy for us, His peace for us. He reminds us of who we really are and the value that we really have. He reminds us of how He feels about us. He shows us the joy on His face when we find ourselves in His presence. He, we, he, he, he through his, his Holy Spirit, fills us with his joy so that we're reminded that nothing can separate us from this. Nothing that's happening in the world, nothing that's happened, nothing that will happen will separate us from this. This is the word of the Lord. And again, I know that some of you are in situations that you don't believe that this can happen. You don't believe that there's joy for you. I would say this. I'm, spe- I'm speaking specifically to you today. I'm speaking right to your heart that the word of God would find that lie and cut it out. I can tell you that this is true. You know, my life, I know your lives, they're difficult. And we are all walking or will walk through things and doubt whether the Father loves us and really wants us to experience joy. But we do have joy because the Lord has come. We do have joy because our Savior reigns. There is no more sin and sorrow. We have victory over that. He has come to make his blessings flow. Jesus, he rules this world with truth, with grace, with righteousness. How wonderful, how wonderful is his love. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's joy, joy to you and joy to this world that he has come for you. Our Father has come for you by giving us his Son, Jesus Christ, so that we would experience his joy. Let's stand.